opinion, and probably a podcast too. Four brave souls will put their friendships on the line to prove once and for all they're right. Jeremy. I hate you. Rudy. Justice is served. Bro. He's all about that porcelain. MC. And he's a sneaky fuck. The Mount Rushmore Podcast, where pop culture is carved in stone. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, where, as we like to say, pop culture is carved in stone. I am one of your hosts, MC, and um, before we get into the rules and the uh, regulations and nuances of this clusterfuck of a discussion, let's introduce the rest of the lads on here. Um, Rudy, I'm going to have you go first. Introduce yourself. Tell us a fun fact. Hello, friends. It's me, Rudy. Uh, uh, a fun fact is that did you know that Archie Bunker's original character name was supposed to be Archie <laughs> Justice? <laughs> Awesome. And if you don't get that reference, take a look back at season one's male sitcom characters, Mount Rushmore, um, and then imagine us still pontificating over it before we hit record tonight. There's a <laughs> lot of bad blood here in this bonus episode of the Rushmore podcast. But Rudy, it's good to hear from you. That's so it's such a pleasure to be here. I miss you guys. I miss you too. Spro, you're up next. Introduction and fun fact. Uh, my name is Spro. Bro, and out of everybody that I lived with in college on this podcast, Rudy is my second favorite. <laughs> uh, for those of you who didn't get that, I'm the only other one that he lived with. <laughs> but uh, so I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Spro. Very. That's a very backhanded way, um, you know, to say that we're good bros. And finally, a uh, longtime friend of, well, all of us, um, and a uh, published author, award-winning writer and journalist, Jeremy. Jeremy, tell us um, what you're up to and a fun fact about yourself. Hello. I am glad to be here. And a fun fact is that Ghostbusters 2016 was not <laughs> included in the Ghostbusters Ultimate Edition box set that's being released next month. <laughs> Actually, actually, do you want to know something? This is going to piss you off. There was there was such an outcry, like a social justice outcry, that it's now available as a digital edition to that box set. No. Justice is served. Oh, God. Archie Justice. Archie Justice. Archie Justice. Archie Justice. This is, this is shit. So, um, so the Mount Rushmore podcast stems from an idea that we had long ago where we decided to debate and discuss the four greatest representations of different topics. If you've listened to season one, you've heard fictional sports figures, you've heard action movie heroes, you've heard superheroes. And the interesting thing is that between the four of us, we also, uh, I don't know, come together and from time to time host another podcast called Second Chance Cinema, started by myself and Spro about three years ago. Um, and Spro, I'd love for you to talk about this a little more. The The goal of the Second Chance Cinema podcast was sort of to give movies that have gone under the radar their just due. Spro, anything, anything you can share to sort of like illuminate what Second Chance Cinema is all about? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pop a beer real quick. 
<laughs> but go ahead. Not a problem. So a lot of the times when we're talking about these movies in Second Chance Cinema, we're realizing that these movies just came out during a time when people just weren't going to feel this type of movie. There's a lot of times that we look back on something like, let's just say, you know, season three is about to pop off and we just did The One with Jet Li. And The One came out with special effects at the same time as, say, something like The Matrix. And so people went, well, it's just another Matrix. Well, when you look back, it's completely different and original than The Matrix. So we look back at these movies that, you know, went under the radar and with our hindsight are able to revive them and say, everybody, take a second look because this is this is something you'll find better enjoyment with if you're sick of, you know, the sequels and kind of the schlock that Hollywood is delivering currently. That's a pretty astute description of, of kind of what Second Chance Cinema is all about. So after Spro and I started the Second Chance Cinema podcast years ago, we realized that we have um, two uh, priceless resources in the form of Jeremy and Rudy. And over the years, over the course of our different episodes and seasons, we've been blessed with them as uh, guest hosts from time to time. They've recommended movies, movies that maybe we didn't even think of, and they've uh, come on to debate and discuss back and forth with us and offer their take on uh, on the movies that fit the Second Chance Cinema mold. So, um, Rudy, let's start with you. If you had to describe Second Chance Cinema, the podcast, to someone who'd never heard it before, what would you say? I would say that it was a, a, a podcast dedicated to the bargain bin gems of the world. <clears throat> oh, very nice. Bargain bin gems. I like that. I'm imagining Blood Diamond, but with yeah. the big bin at Walmart. Yes. <laughs> you know, instead of bling bling, it's bling bang on DVD. <laughs> and Jeremy, likewise, you've been uh, a guest on the show several times with recommendations that came from you. And you're sort of a, um, I would say, a dare to say, like a, a maestro of these movies that go under the radar. And nobody seems to remember except the people who do remember. And then when they do remember they're like, holy shit, that was a great movie. Um, what would you say about the Second Chance Cinema podcast? Uh, I would say that if you're a fan of movies that open between January and May every year, <laughs> then <laughs> this is the podcast for you. That's that's a fantastic observation. I wonder how accurate that is. <laughs> I would like to know. I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> I really do. Now I kind of want to go back to that master list and look and see because that's I, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember any that are on my list and I can't when they actually opened. Yeah, I don't know. But that's a great even even if that's not factually correct, the, the sentiment is exactly what Second Chance Cinema Podcast is all about. And the reason for this shameless promotion of the Second Chance Cinema Podcast is because today's episode of Rushmore, we will be carving out the four best Second Chance Cinema movies, which means that um, the only nominations that are up for debate are movies that we've discussed on the Second Chance Cinema Podcast. Um, if you want to take a pause and go take a look or even a listen, you can um, search Second Chance Cinema on uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or go straight to the source, secondchancecinema.podbean.com. Make sure you download the episodes and give us a like. But basically what we did was we all went through and 
took a once over of of the list of probably about I would say close to like what like 40 50 movies maybe there's 41 41 movies okay from which to choose and are coming here with our best second chance cinema movies now it's a bit of a paradox because we're talking about the best worst movies kind of although they're not the worst they're the best most unremarkably received movies um <laughs> Which, which again, is sort of a weird thing to do. Um, so I'd be interested to know how you approach this. Spro, let's start with you. Well, I think also, I think because this is going to run on our Second Chance Cinema feed, um, for people that enjoy our banter and our debate and our hosts, how would they find the Mount Rushmore podcast? Oh, if you want to listen to the Mount Rushmore podcast, all you have to do is search for the Mount Rushmore podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or actually, you're probably better to talk to about that you just put it all on a bunch of different places didn't you yeah i mean it's on all your streaming episodes just look for our pretty faces like photoshopped into mount rushmore yeah yeah just look for that so yeah check out pod rushmore all one word dot podbean dot com podbean i don't even know where the fuck podbean came from but when we were (laughs) when we started out with second chance cinema we were looking for a place that was like not expensive was easy to use and we found podbean so you know what fuck yeah pod Bean, um, we appreciate you. <laughs> Spro, go on. So yeah, I stumbled uh, when pitching the show to you guys, and I think what I finally boiled it all down to is we are looking at the list of 41 movies that Second Chance Cinema recommends, and we found a list of four to put up on Rushmore of like the most recommendable movies to a general audience or to your friends, family, however each of us devised their list. I think I did mine with the four most recommended to anybody uh, and a reason for each of these movies. So I think I think I have a parallel and it's probably not going to make a ton of sense. But I remember one time on the website Etsy, the marketplace for like homemade crafts and things like that. There was a coffee mug that said something about rock climbing. And instead of a handle, there was one of those little like nubs that you put on a rock climbing wall. And that's what you use to hold the mug with. And I thought to myself, this is the most Etsy thing to have ever Etsy'd on Etsy. (laughs) And I think this podcast essentially is trying to discover the most second chance cinema movies to ever appear on second chance cinema. It's sort of defining itself. It's the Ouroboros snake eating its own tail kind of thing. Jeremy, do you care to weigh in on how you decided to to make your selections? Well, for me, it was pretty simple because most of my DVD collection is made up of second chance cinema movies. (laughs) So, um, I just basically looked at like what are the movies that the movies that I tend to return to even more than the classics are these types of movies. So because they're like comfort food, you know, it's like you love to get, you know, it's nice to have steak and it's nice to eat well and whatever. But sometimes you just got to go to Wendy's. And so I was um, just going to say, these are the Denny's of movies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of how I was like, what are the movies that for me, I'll always return to and um, I can always put on and I don't have to think too much. and I don't have to invest myself too deeply emotionally but i always walk away satisfied okay that's hey that's a great explanation rudy how about you my selection process was all over the place because you know i think i've narrowed it down to movies that when are brought up 
or when I bring them up to other people, they go, oh my gosh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Oh, yep. and, and that's that was my criteria. Because nobody else ever brings up these movies. Yeah. It's always one of us. Yeah. But you're right. When we do, they're like, holy shit, I forgot all about that movie. And then there's some degree of like just swooning over how awesome it is. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for myself, I what I had to do in Spro, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I had to kind of try to separate myself from the show and the experiences that we've had recording because like I said we've been doing this for a little over three years I think and some of these episodes you know I remember better than others some episodes I feel like came off better than others but it's not about the episodes and it wasn't about the times we spent recording or it wasn't about you know the guest hosts Rudy and Jeremy it was about it's got to be about the movies it's not the best second chance cinema episodes it's the best movies that represent second chance cinema did you think about that at all? Oh yeah and People that listen to Second Chance Cinema know I'm a homer for the beach. And really, that's my guilty pleasure. You know, I really like the beach. I like Francois. But like when I approached the episode, I was like, of course, my first l- initial list had the beach on it. And then I looked at it. I was like, you you can't make an argument <laughs> for this. Like nobody's going to be with you with the beach on Mount Rushmore. So I had to take myself out of the equation a little bit. And uh, sorry, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um <laughs> But here we are. Rudy, why are you laughing so maniacally? (laughs) Because I feel like when I first met Spro, he tried to pitch the beach to me. Like, hey, you should see this movie. You haven't seen this movie? It's got a killer soundtrack with Moby. Yeah, that's exactly what you said outside our my door. I mean, Spro, I haven't (laughs) known Rudy as long as you have, but if there's one thing I know he loves, it's Moby. The music, (laughs) the musical stylings of Moby. Um, He's all about that porcelain. (laughs) So before we, so before we reveal our picks, I'm going to go down the um, the format of the show. Now, normally during a regular season, we play for points. Since this is a bonus episode, this is going to be. More of an exhibition, I think. This is going to be your uh, Mayweather versus McGregor kind of thing, Um, even though those guys are both little stupid pricks. But my point being, do you disagree, Rudy? No, I was cracking up. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So the way this works is we will spin our our wheel of random names, which has each of our names on it, and in the random order will be decided in which we reveal our picks. Each of us are allowed to nominate four selections, only four selections, and then um, a total of 16 or possibly some duplicates will end up on the table for discussion. After we go through our discussion and kind of present our arguments, our thoughts, um, you know, just generally try to banter back and forth and really get a feel for what's going on with the picks. We have three rounds of eliminate. Well, we have two rounds of elimination. The first one, each person has to eliminate a contender from their own list, meaning that over the course of the discussion, you know, possibility of changing someone's mind um, can definitely occur and has had has happened in the past or maybe getting toward the finish line. You realize that one of your picks, you know, probably isn't the strongest. Uh, the second round of elimination is a little more vengeful a little more bloody, you know, a little more devious, uh, you get to eliminate one from somebody else's list. And then the final round, we will 
each, you know, through gritted teeth, nominate a selection to the mountain from someone else's list. So there are a few safeguards in place. Um, and this system, these final rules were only put in place, I think, like in the last episode of, of the last of the first season, we finally got our footing in. We're like, OK, this system works. And so far, so good, I think. One thing I was thinking of, and this can be a little caveat moving forward. I think we can all work on the honor system here that nobody will present a list with one lame duck just so that they can eliminate that one in the first round. Can we all agree on that? I was thinking that like before we got on, I was like, what makes it so the the first you don't just put like a, a drop a drop. You're pick. right. You're absolutely right. There is nothing formal in place. I think it's just our own integrity that that would prevent us from doing that. So I, I think a digital handshake. I've got my hand out. Can we all agree? Yes. Uh, not, yeah. OK. <laughs> I didn't hear a confirmation from Jeremy and he's a sneaky fuck. No, I I was one of the first ones. I said, absolutely. The other Um, thing I'm interested in seeing is that I think every time uh, a pick got three votes, it has landed on the mountain. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if like the fourth person that doesn't vote it will ever be able to talk three people out of a pick. That's an interesting point. And I always considered like if three people nominate, nominate a similar pick, should it automatically go on the mountain? Because I mean, obviously there's a case for it, but I mean, man, if, if someone can talk three people out of a pick that's shared between them. I mean, that is some, that, <laughs> I love, that person. That would, I love how you're saying if someone can talk three people, why don't you just say it? Everybody knows it. If Rudy can talk us. <laughs> hey, a- hey, Rudy, <laughs> Rudy, I don't know if you remember um, human movie villains, you and I, Alonzo Harris. Look, yeah. bro, we're cool. Yeah. All right. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's not. Yeah. Crack another one open. All right. I've got one. I'm going to cheers the mic. <laughs> Cheers. All right, bro. All right. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to spin the wheel. And the order, the order that we land on with these names, we are going to reveal our picks. All we're going to do is say the names of the movies until they're all on the table. And then the bloodbath will start. So here we go. I'm going to spin the wheel. All right, the order for pick reveals. Jeremy, myself, Rudy, and Spro. So, Jeremy, go ahead, kick us off. All right, so my four picks are as follows. Dread, though I did give an explanation for each movie. or No, you should shut the fuck up and just name the movies. Hey, man, listen. He didn't listen to the instructions. Look, look, you didn't listen to the instructions, and we've done this eight times already. (laughs) All right, Dread. All right. Dread, Waterworld, Karate Kid Part 2. Come to the dance tonight. Oh, good. Oh, bring your friend. Okay. Good. See you there. And men at work. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't mean an explanation for why I picked it. I meant like a slight description of the movie, like Dread, the 2012 movie starring Look, you don't have to. you don't have to hit the reverse button, okay? Everybody knows what you did. You know what you did. Let's just move on. <laughs> I hate you. All right. My picks are as follows. Street Fighter. Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? Dread, Congo, and Boiler Room. Next up, Rudy. All right. My picks are The Wiz. (laughs) Wait, Uh, what? (laughs) The Wizard. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Jeez, are you talking about no? Because uh, the Wiz is the Diana Ross Wizard of Oz movie, right? I know, I love God. that one. We're so we are rusty. We haven't <laughs> done this in a long room? time. Uh, <laughs> the Wizard, uh, Little Giants. Somebody call nine one one. The Karate Kid Part Two and Jurassic Park Three. Wow. Okay, Spro, you're up. Sorry, I was writing down everybody's picks. Not a whole lot of crossover this episode. My first pick is for Boiler Room. Get the fuck out of here. Second pick is The Village. Third pick is Son-in-Law. And fourth pick is Nothing to Lose. Wow. All right. So let us all scribe down these picks so that we can see what we're up against. So there was some crossover. And I have to say... In my head, I predicted, actually, I think I predicted both the crossovers that I had, but I did not predict the crossover that Jeremy and Rudy had with the Karate Kid 2. Let's just start there, given the fact that, you know, Cobra Kai is taking over the world and and all that. Jeremy, tell me why the Karate Kid 2 is on your list. always been a fan of Karate Kid 2 ever since I saw it uh, in 1986 on va- on family vacation and we were away and I still demanded to go to the movies that night and see Karate Kid 2 because I could not wait till we got back from vacation and ever since then I've been a fan of it I think it's a sequel that does what sequels do good sequels do and that it, it advances <laughs> the mythology of the Karate Kid and Miyagi's backstory a little bit more and while it replays some of the beats of the first movie it's not just you know here's another tournament you know here's another villain here's another evil sensei and it's like it's a different it's a different story so i've always been a fan of karate kid too and um it's it's great now that finally with cobra kai i'm seeing that other people in the world think the way i do because for years it was always oh karate kid one and then the other two sequels you know were garbage um and now finally people are realizing that it's most definitely not the case all right so we'll throw to you rudy go ahead you pick karate kid too also (laughs) i know like jeremy i it I, I I don't want to echo everything he said because he hit the nail on the head there. But I mean, it has everything you want in a sequel and it's got a bomb ass song for the soundtrack. I mean, the glory of love. Give me a break. I could I could start singing that now. But um, I remember the hype of Karate Kid. And then when the sequel came out, there was equal buildup because as a kid, I didn't see the movie first. I saw the music video first and I would have to interpret the movie through the clips in the video. And I'm like, I would get amped up watching the video and i'm like i don't even know what this move is or this little instrument drum thing i want one and i think every kid in the 80s had one of those so that's why the karate kid is on my list so that's interesting because if i recall and spro maybe you can clarify didn't we do the karate kid 2 and the karate kid 3 as kind of like a joint episode yeah I don't recall. And I'm wondering, like for me, and and I don't want to get off too much on a tangent, but the Karate Kid 3 for me was way sweeter than the Karate Kid 2. But what Jeremy and Rudy are saying, I definitely don't disagree with. Like the Karate Kid was such a like a just a pop culture centrifuge for for like the 80s, like the the decade, the 80s that um, the Karate Kid 2 like almost couldn't miss. And yet somehow over the years, it's become regarded as like a lackluster movie, a lackluster sequel. And everything that Jeremy and Rudy just said is absolutely true. It It is 
a good movie. It's not without fault, but it is certainly a serviceable movie, if not a really good and decent sequel, which especially in the 80s and like the early 90s was super rare. You, everyone, go out and watch Karate Kid 2. And like yet, yeah, like you said, like you, you, you let in with it, Cobra Kai is taking over the world. I may have started season four. But when you go back, when they do the callbacks to the movies, and you're like, oh, man, I love that movie. I watched Karate Kid Part 2 last year because of Cobra Kai. Because I was like, I want to watch that whole movie again. It's great. All right. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. This is going to be a hard Rushmore. This is going to be like, we're, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of tough love a lot of you know scraped knees falling off the bikes but at the end we'll be better for it um so rudy we'll just stick with you the wizard little giants and jurassic park three i'll let you discuss whatever you care to about those three picks all right this is uh the theme of my picks are family friendly things you can watch with the family and and listener if you're of our age um <clears throat> you know somewhere in between the middle-ish um you you grew up on these movies and you might get the chance to show them to uh your children and 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 reminisce along with them of the time when there was a whole game a whole movie dedicated to a video game the wizard is dedicated to the release of super mario brothers 3 which took over the world and it had America's sweetheart, the national treasure himself, Fred Savage, uh, at the helm. And that movie can do no wrong. You watch that movie and you immediately want to go dig out your old NES system and pop, blow into the cartridge and pop in a little bit of nostalgia. That movie is, it's it's about, as a kid growing up in the 80s, you're like, heck yeah, I want to go on a road trip across states to go compete in a video game tournament for money absolutely that's every kid's dream now the second movie is uh little giants now if you're a fan of the second chance cinema podcast you you're aware that i brought uh this this movie to the consciousness of our illustrious host and it is a movie about female empowerment representation and inclusivity in 1994 and it focuses on if you can get around the fact that these young children are playing tackle football and CTE is a real thing. If you can get past that, the movie is flawless. <laughs> I'm going to tag Dr. Bennett Omalu in the <laughs> posts for this. Go on. I mean, it's the only problem with the movie. It's like, oh, but the children were tougher in the 90s, I guess. I don't know. But it is a it is the classic ragtag group of kids coming together. David taking on Goliath in a small town in Ohio. And it's got once again, another national treasure, Rick Moranis. And who doesn't love some Rick Moranis in the early 90s? Give me a break. Oh, don't forget don't forget Ed O'Neill and the late John Madden also oh, making, no. uh, you know, huge appearances. You know how many people referenced it, the movie? They, it, they referenced the video game, Madden, and then the next reference was Little Giants in all of the sports uh, journalism, journalism, like references of John Madden and his legacy. <laughs> Little Giants was on that list, people. Wait, hold on, hold on. Did you just conflate like the term articles and, um, you know, like news reports with journalisms? <laughs> 
Am I like, movie? Oh yeah, all all the all the journalisms that came out when John Madden died all, of all, the, all of all the journalisms. Yeah. Those were the best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Let me pause so I can go hit up Urban Dictionary, add a term, and I'll be right back. <laughs> I tried. To, all right. Tried to um, slide that one by you. Of all the journalisms, Jurassic Park three. Were there any journalisms written about that? There should have been. Let's be honest, people. Jurassic Park two <laughs> was a huge deuce, and it was because you had Jurassic Park, and you're like, oh my gosh, this movie's amazing. Dinosaurs. This is this is epic. This is changing, as my friend MC likes to say, this is changing film, and this is changing cinema. Um, when have I ever said that? I've never, you, you say you is that you is that, that a, is that a dig? No, no. <laughs> whatever. Keep that, keep going. I'm and, keep going. Journalisms. And, and <laughs> Jurassic Park two le- left you like almost empty. You're like, okay, I guess it's good. It's a good sequel, and you weren't realizing that you were waiting for two thousand and one to come along where they actually got it right you're like you saw jurassic park 3 and you're like that should have been the direct sequel that is a good movie that is good good plot and i mean i it some people consider dr ian grant an action figure uh, an act, a male action like character some of some of them think he's like a hero of kinds <laughs> okay wait hold on at this at this point at this point rudy i have to ask genuinely are you suffering from a head injury because first of all the journalisms then dr ian grant it's doctors ian malcolm and alan grant oh, yeah. and then um action figures was never a topic on rushmore are you okay rudy it was what was the stupid it was the first one you were like you tried to bring him to superheroes or some shit like that i don't remember it doesn't matter action heroes. the point is and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let you knock me off of my path here what i want to say is that jurassic park 3 is the perfect sequel to jurassic park there shouldn't have been a two they should have just done three and left it at that yeah they're coming out with more there's like dominion coming out this summer or something like that but if you want to watch uh, an adequate sequel to the the groundbreaking Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 3 is what you Rudy, I I commend your passion and I just want to say that whatever uh physical help you decide to go seek, I will gladly reach into my own pocket and cover your copay cuz I I I'll care send you about my you that much. I'll send you my bin. All right. Jeremy, you doubled up with Rudy on Karate Kid 2. Do you want to go ahead and um uh elaborate on your other three picks, Dread, Waterworld and Men at Work? Yes. Definitely. So uh, I think all of these movies are criminally underrated, uh, some more than others. So, But the most criminally underrated, most definitely, is Dread. If there's ever been a movie more deserving of a sequel, more deserving of a series, more deserving of any kind of follow-up or continuation, it's this movie. And it's a sheer travesty of justice that it was ignored when it came out. And I, I think it's because of the stain of the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie from the 90s. But it is, you know, Dread is just, it's great in every way. You know, Carl Urban is perfect in the role. Lena Headley is a great villain. The action is incredible. It's dark. It's gritty. It's super violent, if that's what you're into. The story is exciting. The effects are great. It's just one of the best action movies of the last decade, easily. And uh, I always recommend it to people when they're saying they're looking for something new that they haven't seen before. And if they're, and if they're action movie fans, I say, well, have you seen Dread? 
no, then there's your pick. So that is my case for Dread. Waterworld, I think, is uh, one of those movies, again, that I think it's weird. It's like its reputation before the movie came out kind of ruined the movie after it came out because it got this, there was the whole story about how it was costing so much money and Kevin Costner was, it was a vanity project for him and he was, he it was in over his head and, you know, it was just like one thing on top of another. And, and so because of that, nobody ever judged the movie on its merits for its story, for its action, for its concept, for its production design. Anyone, all anyone ever talked about was how much it cost to make, which I think only a couple of years later, Titanic probably cost double that, if not more. Now, granted, it made a lot more, but I mean, I don't know, for whatever reason, people got more obsessed with how much money this movie cost versus what it actually was. And what it is, is a super entertaining summer adventure movie. Um, it's not groundbreaking. I mean, it's basically Mad Max on the water, but um, you got Dennis Hopper is a great, great villain. Kevin Costner, I think, does a good job. That was back when he was you know, like he, he was basically riding really high in the 90s there on JFK and Robin Hood, The Untouchables, and Field of Dreams, et cetera, et cetera. He was like, he could do no wrong. He's kind of in like prime Kevin Costner mode at that movie. And, uh, but it's a great story. I mean, and the fact that they really shot it all practically, you know, on the water, you know, out on the ocean is pretty impressive. It's well worth your time. And then Men at Work is more of a personal choice because I recognize that this is not a movie that is brilliant by any stretch of the imagination, but it is one of the funniest, most uh, irreverent comedies I think I've ever seen. I feel like it, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Like the, the humor is, is dark and edgy and... Uh, pretty uh, pretty R-rated, kind of in an era before that was more commonplace, I think. Like, you saw more of those R-rated comedies later in the 2000s, like Superbad and The Hangover and, uh, you know, those Judd Apatow kind of, you know, frat boy kind of heavy R-rated comedies. And I feel like Men at Work was kind of ahead of its time in that way. Um, and Keith David is just a revelation in that movie. I mean, he's just it's so crazy and insane and uh, hilarious. So, I don't know, I rambled a lot about that movie, but it's great. All right. No, all very cogent arguments. The one film that you and I overlapped on is Dread and everything you said times 10. And Rudy, I'm even going to give you I'm going to give you your your moment of victory. That movie, I feel, represented a change in cinema. If only. <laughs> go ahead. You can gloat. Go ahead. You heard it here. That's all right. Personally, I don't I don't love the term cinema, and I honestly don't know where Rudy got that from. But as a movie, as a an enjoyable, different, refreshing movie that came out of nowhere and it was so much better than it had any business being specifically the premise which was remarkably simple yet executed in a way that was just phenomenal the action and the cinematography blended together to just create this like visceral experience it's one of those movies that you watch and you see the violence happen and you're just like Ugh, oh and I've seen that movie you know probably a dozen times and every time I watch it I I know exactly what's coming yet I still go gross even though I know exactly what to expect and again the the it, well the faithfulness to the character is something that you know is it, probably not a huge point for argument here but the fact that Carl Urban did uh I almost said Keith Urban that would have been a way different movie um but the fact that, the fact that um you know Carl Urban basically played the entire character with just 
a mouth and a chin like that deserves at least some recognition. Rudy, I see your mic live and hot. Do you want to say something? I don't want the listener to get confused. And you're not talking about Judge Dredd, the no, no, Lester no, no. Stall- Stallone vehicle. But no, yeah, no, that movie was just spandex. And that movie was shit for my butt. That was just a terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> you all right? <laughs> shit from a butt. <laughs> yeah that movie was pure that movie was shit from a butt i think there's no better way to describe it mm-hmm. um and yet i love that movie when i saw it the first time i was like awesome cool colors robot space flying cars and rob I schneider think, rob schneider he's hilarious and i think the fact that that i'm able to um just completely denounce it now speaks to my credibility for hosting second chance cinema and contributing to the rushmore podcast the last crossover we have um and then we'll get to the outliers was between me and spro boiler room now Boiler Room was our very first episode on Second Chance Cinema. So as much as I as much as I caution myself against looking at this sentimentally, I couldn't help but realize what the impetus for Second Chance Cinema was. And it was that movie because it was such a great movie that went under the radar. And that's essentially what Second Chance Cinema is. And I think that movie is enduring in its concept and in its in its relevance so much so that people I know, including my wife, family members, other friends who've watched it recently have been, for lack of a better word, enthralled by the plot, really, and the characters and the goings on that took place in 2000, I think, if I remember, but are still completely relevant today. Now, Spro, you had that on your list as well. Would you like to talk about why? Well, I think like, so what I said is like, my movies, my recommendations are going to be something that I can recommend to everybody. And I think the subject of Wall Street coming up again and again and again in movies as the bad guy, like we all, I don't think there's anybody on this podcast and probably anybody listening that wouldn't say uh, Wall Street was open today. And there was probably a lot of shady shit that went on. Like it's it's the heartbeat in New York City, and yet we know there's a lot of shady people there. And I think Boiler Room and movies like Wall, uh, Wolf of Wall Street and yeah, Wall Street itself, you know, all these movies give us a glimpse of what's going on and give us the feeling like, hey, maybe maybe we can do something about this. And we follow the protagonist, which is played by Giovanni Rabisi, who's just an honest guy who like us all would probably get a little bit of dopamine rush if we if we saw $20,000 in cash hit our desk and lose ourselves in it. But it's it's a really good redemption tale. It's got a really great cast. The jokes still land most of them other than the ones that might make you cringe a little bit now in the 21st century. But no, this film, this film just sings to me. All right, let's let's go ahead and lean into yours then. The Village, Son-in-Law and Nothing to Lose. Um, So The Village, The Village is the one that I probably talk to more people about because M. Night gets hated, right? He started with Sixth Sense. He fooled everybody. You know, spoiler alert, Bruce Willis is dead. It's a perception shift that happened at the end and then everybody is now going to M. Night movies thinking like 
they they're gonna try and sniff out the twist before it, you know everybody kind of thinks of M Night now as like the new O Henry or something. So like when you see the aliens and signs, like everybody kind of turned on that movie. It was like oh they, you should never see the aliens. And then when the perception shift happens in the village, not at the very end like it happens in Sixth Sense. It happens somewhere around the second act break into the third act. People go oh my gosh that's the twist. Go back and watch the movie now because the movie only gets better knowing the twist. I know a lot of people only watch The Village once, but if you watch it two, maybe three times, you see that it's a great love story. You see that people are like, well, why would they want to live in the olden days? Go to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania and see the Amish. Like people want to live in these times. They might not, you know, convince everybody around them that there's monsters in the woods, but it's somewhere along the kind of the similar vein. It's like I said, it's a great love story. It's a spooky tale. The cinematography is amazing. The music is amazing. M. Knight is very good at what he does. So that's one that I would say revisit, even if you, I know you probably saw it and thought the, the perception shift was shit. I get it. I was there with you in the theater, was told to go back and revisit it. I've never felt the same about it since. Son-in-law, <laughs> Polly Shore, with a, he's a weasel with a heart of gold. Um, he kind of speaks <laughs> to my childhood. I love these stories, these like, uh, look who's coming to dinner type stories, fish out of is, water type Isn't stories. that what we uh, compared it to? Guess who's coming to yeah. dinner? Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, okay. All right, keep going. It, it was literally like liberal Polly Shore going to like conservative America and swimming in the dirt. And then just these two worlds converging in one. It was, you know, Bohunk SoCal coming to, I forget where they were, like Nebraska or something like that. Um, but this movie just, if you don't sit there with a smile on your face, you know, like, I'm sorry for the bad recommendation, but I don't, I can't imagine people shitting on this movie. Like, it's got our girl, Carla Gugino. She's amazing in it. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Revisit. And like I said, there's just, it's, it's just a fun movie that makes me smile. And then last but not least, nothing to lose was a uh, 25th hour change because I had another movie that was kind of a personal choice. Nothing to lose, I think, is kind of on the opposite side of Boiler Room, where it's a man who seemingly has everything, sees something the wrong way, takes it all the wrong way, and then pretty much shoots himself in the foot. But really, even though the movie is about Tim Robbins, this is a Martin Lawrence. This is maybe one of my favorite Mar- This is probably <laughs> my favorite Martin Lawrence movie only because I feel like bad boys he's constantly playing off of Will Smith you don't play off Tim Robbins Tim Robbins isn't giving you a whole much but Martin Lawrence is stealing the show and he he takes it running and I think if I was going to think of Martin Lawrence's career this is tops of it and it's another one that's just sit back and make you smile do you think about Martin Lawrence's career often I don't. What was I just watching? I was just watching something where I was, oh, I was watching uh, 30 Rock. (laughs) If you watch the pilot episode of 30 Rock, Tracy Jordan's character on that show is completely ripped off of Martin Lawrence, like completely down to, I think, being butt-ass naked and running around in the streets with like a gun. Like, it's just, I never realized how much they were just ripping on Martin Lawrence. And I was like, that's sad. I really like Martin Lawrence. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, nothing that you said can be just well at least right now can be disputed which leaves me with the the bringing up the rear picks of street fighter and congo now i'll start with congo congo was a movie that we introduced on the show very very early i think it was our either our second or third episode and 
I think what Jeremy said at the beginning of this podcast, talking about how movies can be similar to comfort food and how movies don't need to be uh, movies that that are applicable to this list don't need to be thought about or analyzed or even necessarily paid attention to like while you're doing something else, yet you still finish the movie and, and are left feeling entertained. And for me, Congo is that movie. I cannot recall how many times I watched Congo in college just because it was on. Like it was it was literally kind of an any port in the storm sort of thing. And every time something else grabbed my attention, like something different grabbed my attention, whether it was the, um, you know, Delroy Lindo as the um, as the corrupt general or all the silly things that the gorilla said or, you know, the character design of of the super apes at the end. Like this movie was crapped on because of Jurassic Park, because this was a movie based on a Michael Crichton book, just like Jurassic Park, that was not nearly as good. And I won't dispute that. It certainly was not. But this was still an entertaining, fun, serviceable movie. And I think if we're talking about the best second chance cinema movies, this movie is flagship. Street Fighter, you guys, anyone who's listened to the show before, and I'm sure somehow I've shoehorned it into every episode of Second Chance Cinema and probably Rushmore and probably other podcasts that I'm not even on. My love for this movie because I think that that when it came out in 1994, it was at the height of the Jean-Claude Van Damme wave of just uh, him being like not just the next big thing, but proclaimed as like the big thing that's going to be here for decades and decades and decades. And as a, let's see, 13-year-old kid, I bought into that 100%. And I think that the fact that it was one of the first or one of the earliest movies based on a video game, even though it wasn't faithful to the story of the video game. And that's probably its biggest critique other than, you know, the Van Damme's acting and and which he'll never get away from regardless of how good he is. Um, it was still so cool and remains cool to see video game characters in a movie and portrayed sort of in this way that wasn't hyper real, but also wasn't hyper goofy. It was this really weird balance of sort of leaning on maybe the more narrative side and less the faithful to the video game side, but still throwing in little kind of Easter eggs like the outfits they wore and the moves they did and things like that. And finally, and no one can dispute this, the performance by Raul Julia as M. Bison was just incomparable as a superhuman villain. Like when you think of a video game and you think of the end boss, and I want you to imagine you're thinking of this as, you know, a 13 year old kid and as also maybe someone our age now who can relate to that nostalgia. You thought of the end boss of a video game as the most difficult, evil, terrible entity that you have ever encountered. Raul Julia brought that to the screen as M. Bison in Street Fighter. And I know that I have 
personal ties to that movie just because of, you know, how old I was when it came out. And my mom drove me, you know, 30 miles to go see it. And I did uh, Taekwondo for 11 years. But nothing I'm saying is untrue. I had to step <laughs> away to get a tissue. <laughs> All right. You know my um, Street Fighter. Oh, and, and that's the other. Yeah, you know what? I was going to wait and see if you were going to jump in with that. Jeremy has a connection to Street Fighter that is completely unique to probably any podcast on the Internet. Jeremy, if you'd like to go ahead and um, uh, indulge us, we would be grateful. Well, I was working as an intern at Universal Pictures during the height of the Van Damme era. And I can attest to what you were saying, where he was he was 100% being built up as the next Schwarzenegger, but also the next major international movie star. Because they he was coming off the heels of the of Hard Target, which was huge, uh, and then Time Cop, which was even bigger. And then he had um, Sudden, Sudden Death, Death coming up. That was in the pipeline. So he was like, you know, just the hottest thing going and street fighter was being touted because raul julia was obviously you know respected actor oscar winner he he was just in the adams family so like he was a big star so this was going to be the biggest thing going and i and, and i can tell you that the the whole energy around street fighter internally at universal pictures was white hot and at the time he was also developing the quest which legit they were talking about oscar potential for that movie <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even kidding they legitimately because at that point, I think it was still either being written or it was in pre-production. So, because it came out, I think a couple of years after Street Fighter, but they were talking about it like it was his Dances with Wolves. They were like, "John Claude's got this film, <laughs> the, quest, the Quest. It's really good. This it was like his Braveheart. Like this was his passion project. He was directing it. I think he he wrote it or he had a hand in writing it. So like Street Fighter, and that Street Fighter was like the spark that was going to just launch Van Damme to the stratosphere, to the moon. And it didn't it didn't quite happen. Although um, you know, Sudden Death I think did okay, but uh, yeah, Street Fighter didn't quite go the way they were talking about it. But the the anticipation. I don't remember if that came out in the spring or the summer, but the anticipation to get to that movie was like Force Awakens, like Phantom Menace, like that level of like anticipation internally at Universal Pictures. They thought they had the next Terminator 2 on their hands. And they did not. And yet, (laughs) again, again, and yet I maintain that that is still a uh, both ridiculous and ridiculously entertaining movie. All right. All the picks are on the table. We've come to the elimination rounds and the way this works is I'm going to spin the wheel again and we're going to come up with a list of our names in random order then each of us based on that order will have to eliminate one pick from our lists now when we keep score during the regular season there's a little bit of strategy to this for example if you have a pick that doubles up with someone else's pick it might behoove you to eliminate it from your list hoping that it might go all the way on the other person's list because in that case you would still get a point here we're just sort of playing you know for fun um we'll have to see what happens because i don't know i'm i'm struggling to figure out which one's going to be mine when i when i take my turn i'm interested because there are I think my list is the only one with two crossovers. So I'm interested to see where I land randomly. Um, and if if I'm going to have to fight for either one of those, if they happen to be cross off other lists. So there's, you know, even though this is an exhibition, we're still playing a little bit of strategy. So this will be round one. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel and we'll see where we land. 
All right, so here's the order for the eliminate one from your own list round. It is going to go Rudy, Jeremy, myself, Spro. So Rudy, you're up first. Oh, we talked about strategy in the beginning of this uh, episode and selecting a dud to your list so you could get rid of it. This hurts because I don't want to get rid of any of mine because I think they're all solid movies, but there are three stronger ones that I can make cases for. And I think I have to get rid of Jurassic Park 3. All right. Jurassic Park 3 is off the board. And that's off the board for good because nobody else had it on their list. So I commend you, Rudy. Very brave. Very brave. Thank you. Um, Jeremy, you're up next. All right. This is tough. This is very tough. Um, Especially because I've made such an impassioned case for it. But of the four that I've chosen, I'd have to say the one that's got the least chance of of moving on. um, And this is not an indictment against how much I love it, but would be men at work. All right. Men at work is off the board. My turn. Um, I think you guys both nailed it. There's not... This is a real Sophie's choice here. (laughs) (laughs) And I can only imagine, like, I just... I just... I would love to see the face of, like, a legit, like, film critic when I say that it's a real Sophie's choice to decide what is the worst movie out of Street Fighter, Dread, Congo, and Boiler Room. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're all your babies. I know it's it's a very it's a very hard choice, but I think just based on what they mean as movies that um, embody the spirit of second chance cinema, I think I have to get rid. Gosh, I think I think I have to get rid of Congo. And I think the wow. reason the reason is because, well, we'll get into the reasons in a minute. Um, Spro, you go ahead. You're the last one. Um, it's funny. When I get rid of this movie, it's kind of like getting rid of all the ones that were in its place as well. Like getting rid of this movie also gets rid of The Faculty, which I scratched out today. I get rid, rid of The Beach, which I scratched out constantly over the days. But I'm going to have to get rid of Nothing to Lose. <laughs> All right. That was the only one I was going to fight for. Oh, okay. (laughs) What? Rudy, I mean, so why didn't you pick it for your list? Well, it was on my short list and then it got bumped because I I felt that I could make a case for a different. Little little Giants replaced it. It got bumped for Dr. Ian Grant from. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Ian Grant. Ian Grant. Action figure hero. In the film Jurassic World. (laughs) I mean, so I think I think what we all at least for me and I kind of can I kind of can see this with most of the movies that we just eliminated. I feel like my pick Congo of all the other three movies on my list sitting an average person down who'd never seen any of these. I guess my my thought was and I don't know if I'm second guessing myself now, but it doesn't matter. My thought was that if I sat down, if I sat an average person down who'd never seen any of these movies and had them watch all four of them, Congo would be the one they would enjoy the least. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not 100 percent behind that argument. I wouldn't present that argument like, you know, in front of Judge Ito or anything, but it is what it is. So Judge Ito, we just dated ourselves, didn't we? <laughs> we. Well, that was timely because the movie came out during the uh, OJ trial. So. 
<laughs> all right, good. Yes. Yeah, so, all right, good. So we're still on track. All right. So the next round of eliminations, you have to eliminate someone or eliminate a candidate from someone else's list. So again, when we play for points, there's a little bit of strategy in here. If you have crossover with someone, you can eliminate that movie from another person's list in hopes that it'll still make it up to the list, you know, from from your picks. Um, but again, exhibition, I think anything goes. This is more of like a Bedlam style uh, Rushmore podcast. So we're going to spin the wheel and see what order we have to go in. And we land on Spro, Jeremy, myself, Rudy. So Spro, you're up first. Oh, man. Because I appreciate our Rudy and Jeremy in this, I am going to put on my kid gloves, put my claws away, and do the very safe elimination of just one double up. And I'm just going to take away... Uh, Jeremy's Karate Kid 2. Oh, what? You're right. going to take away Ipsy's Boiler Room? Oh, how courageous of you. Yeah, right, right. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I, I did not realize there were so many infants on this podcast right now. Um, that was the most petulant little uh, diatribe I've heard in a while. So you took off Jeremy's Karate Kid 2. So that's so technically it's branded as Jeremy's Karate Kid 2, not Rudy's Karate Kid 2. Do you feel good about that, Rudy? Does that make you happy? It, it checks out for Spro. It makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair it's enough. Charity. All right. Jeremy, you're up. All right. Well, I was debating things, but that just made it a lot easier. So uh... <laughs> go for it, Jeremy. Take him out. So I'm go- I'm, I've never been a fan of this actor, and I was of no. age in, the, in the uh... of his popularity. I was in high school when a lot of his movies came out, and, and he was on MTV. And <laughs> I ne- never got Tim him. Robbins. He's talking about Tim Robbins. <laughs> right. So I'm going to take out son-in-law. Damn. All right. See, the thing is, when MC was talking about, like, if I said an average person down, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, somebody hates Polly Shore in this room. Somebody <laughs> probably hates Polly Shore. Yeah. You found that it. was a, that was a, an M Night Shyamalanian twist that we did not see coming. It's like, what's the movie where? What's the movie like? Um, what's it called? Like Evil Elevator or something? Where there where like the old lady's the devil in the elevator? Oh, what's yeah. it called? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Evil. Elevator. Was it called Evil Elevator? Yeah, that's what it was called. <laughs> Whatever it was called, Evil Elevator is what it should have been. Elevator is that what it was? Elevator maybe. Evil there was something elevator? called Devil, and the poster was an elevator. Devil, that's what it was, and the, the whole movie. Took place in an elevator. That's right. <laughs> All right, my turn to cut something from somebody else's list. Um, you know, normally I would say Spro. I think you and I are pretty united on um, Boiler Room, so I would cut Boiler Room from your list. But I feel I just can I can sense the vengeance through this um, podcast <laughs> interface right now, and I don't want to risk it. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel you. I feel you. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Petulant. I remember that word. I liked it. Petulant. It sounded good. So what I'm going to do, because I think that the legacy has been has been overshadowed, I'm going to take off. Rudy's Karate Wait. Kid too. Oh, what the what? <laughs> what? God. What? 
I mean, oh. look, 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 oh. look, no, no. look, 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 there, there, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are better karate kid canon entertainment vehicles listen, that exist now. And listen, you just have to listen, deal with that. Listen, Maddie Barnes, we know why you like three. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. You saw, look, I am, you saw karate kid three and they're like, yeah, I need gel. I got to spike my hair up. Yeah. I'm going to I am. I am karate's bad boy. (laughs) I am. I am podcasting's bad boy. And I just. I just. I just look. I mean, Karate Kid Two was a fantastic movie. But when it comes to Mm. when it comes to when it comes to what Second Chance Cinema really is, Uh. which is taking taking the unpopular, Uh. taking the under the radar, and making Uh. them known, Karate Kid Two really isn't under the radar anymore. It's just not. Uh, and I'm sorry. I love you guys. I love you guys so much, but I'm sorry. Whatever. Whatever. BD Wong knows what you did. Whatever. Uh, what'd you say? I said BD Wong knows what you did. <laughs> BD yeah. Wong and Mr. Sato know what I did. <laughs> uh, and you know what sucks is now if there's a hurricane um, and a beam falls on me, nobody's going to save me from this nope. podcast. Hell That's no. Gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna die under the beam with the palm trees and, and um, <laughs> you know, you guys will turn all your attention to the little girl. Um, on wow. top of the telephone pole or whatever. <laughs> All right, that turned out for Daniel. I know, I know, it worked out. Car business. See? He got to go. He got to go um, to the to the Baskin Robbins in Okinawa. <laughs> the Jersey Mike's. Dang. <laughs> All right. All right. So our final final round is where we get to nominate someone, or at this point, I shouldn't say get to. It's more like we have to nominate. No, wait up! It's some, me, Chan. Some... It's me. It's me. <laughs> so you're all chosen. This is what you do. You just if someone's in danger and you run away, chicken. All right. You know what? <laughs> I can't believe we're not playing for points right now, and you're I, so mean. This is. Because you guys got me amped up, I've, I have no idea how. Rudy, this why are you? Why are you so angry, Rudy? Why are you so angry? I, I don't know. Oh, gosh. You know, yeah. can you can you just twist your twist your little drum yeah. and and your ping pong things together you know and what? just like it's center clear. yourself? It's clear that the dude broedness of this uh, the contingent of this podcast is is jonesing to get Boilermaker up on that. So like, yeah, I I already know <laughs> what's God. happening here, and this one is pure out of spite i'm cutting street fighter get that shit out of here well folks folks first of all first of all we haven't we haven't even gotten to that round yet um and as a matter of fact wait a minute yeah oh shit we did get to that round all right well pay attention Wait, I, all that, MC, that was such a, that MC, was, whatever treatment you need or, or consultation you need to get your head examined, I'll Venmo you money, buddy. Oh. That was such, that was just such a, that was just such an F5 tornado of babble that came out of your mouth just now. And so much of it was factually incorrect. I think you called it Boilermaker. Like, I, I think right now I'm going to play a PSA for strokes. <laughs> and and like if you if someone you know is having a stroke, who to call? Whatever. Um, That's how much Rudy, this movie I'm, doesn't mean to me. I'm like I, I'm, I understand. Oh, wow. I get the nostalgia of it being the first second chance cinema uh, episode, and I get it. Yeah, it's got a lot of great people in it, but like literally nobody wants to watch a movie about Wall Street. Like, hey, you got you want to you want to watch a movie about some rich white guys or some white guys trying to get rich? Hey, I got a movie for you. No one's interested in that, but I know the nature of this this discussion we're having right now so um just to clarify was the wizard not about 
two little white guys trying to get rich. They just happen to be kids. Yeah, they were they were runaways. One of them was autistic and had a gift for video games. I, mean, I disagree. We decided that he we decided that he was not on the spectrum. Yet he was um, affected by PTSD. No, didn't mm-hmm. we agree on that? I'm, so I, we can go back and listen. Rudy, I, I appreciate your emotion. I've missed it. I really have. But I'm also genuinely concerned for your well being. You know what? I'm concerned point. for your well being. You you forgot to include me in this round. Then you forgot what round we were in. Hey, pot. My name's Kettle. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Mm. I mean, wow, what happened to us? <laughs> so much anger. I got, so, what, I got really angry, really bad. This, I mean, sh- you know, you know what? There, there's only one quote here that's appropriate, and I'm going to play it right now. Shit just got real. <laughs> I was, so. I mean, really, from from a uh, audience perspective on that whole fight, and I'm sure Jeremy is with me on that. The fact that Rudy didn't just go for your legs, he went for your nuts by doing Street Fighter. Like I thought he was going for Boiler Room and he just was like, I'm going to rip out your childhood. <laughs> like That was probably the evilest thing ever on Rushmore and it came out in like a bonus episode. <laughs> we're, not even, we're not even playing for points. I hope you can sleep tonight, Rudy. I hope you can sleep I really do. Rudy, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Are you listening, Rudy? I'm here. I forgive you. (laughs) Okay? I forgive you. All right, let's move on to the final round. Via con Dios. Thank you, Jeremy. Anyone who's anyone gets anyone who's anyone gets that joke. Via con Dios. All right, let's move on to the final round where we have to nominate a pick from someone else's list to the final mountain. And I have to say that tensions are high, emotions are strong, but man, this is going to be an interesting round. Let's spin the wheel and see the order that we go in. Here we go. Rudy, myself, Spro, and Jeremy. Go ahead, Rudy. You've got blood on your hands. Let's see if you can wash it off. You know what? I, I'm I'm comfortable in the way I've conducted myself. I was provoked into this state. Anybody listening will see that. Um, it's was it really self-defense, Rudy? Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah, it self-defense? It, I'm literally Danielson fighting off Chosen here in, in the gauntlet round. Anyways, doesn't matter. I'm Are you gonna, wearing jeans and a button? up in a kimono right now I mean, is that, that what was you're a fighting look, me? right please tell me uh, yeah. that was a look let's be honest he you keep that. for he your collection rudy <laughs> you keep for your collection i'm torn here i'm gonna be honest spro my my favorite roommate ever had the list that i was like yeah that's a strong list i will support in many of those except one um so i'm torn between the village and dread. I'm going to be honest with y'all. And I think, gosh, man, I think I have to choose dread only because the village, I, I always get hesitant around an actor portraying like a, a neurodiverse character or, uh, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I love the village. I love the village. And it's just that one was an Adrian Brody. It's just that one part mm-hmm. that kind of like, Ugh. so 
I'm going to go with Dread. All right. I feel you. That's fair good. pick. I mean, I don't think any of us would disagree with, with uh, let's be fair, any of the picks remaining, I don't think any of us would disagree with. So yeah. I, I think that for all the um, viciousness and all the carnage that just took place, I think we're still in a good spot. All right. I think we're going to come out of this stronger than ever before. My turn. Um, man, this is one where I have to, I have to count on a little bit of faith here. And I have to go ahead and I'm not going to make my my slam dunk pick, but instead I'm going to make a pick that I think encompasses everything I I tried to say about Street Fighter, (laughs) but in a different movie. And that's the nostalgia, the fact that um, the entertainment was rooted in pop culture and the fact that, again, it was a a groundbreaking movie. It really was The Wizard. I will pick the wizard. See, we get there, audience. We get there. You know, we can. I mean, we didn't necessarily. And then we, you know, we got. I got. You know, we we printed out the map quest directions, and they took us in the wrong route. But eventually, we we wound up in the in the right place. Um. (laughs) So next up, Spro, go ahead. So it's funny because I just like when Rudy was telling me his reasons not to go with the village, I was like sitting here nodding and being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, good point, good point. Yeah. An actor playing somebody non-neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at his list and I was like, the fuck is the wizard? Uh. Like, like, Luke Edwards <laughs> does not have autism. Well, but we, okay. well uh, yeah. we, we said. PTSD. Remember, there's a there's a difference. But regardless, I mean, you know, we're all we're each entitled to our opinions. And I think, I, like I said, if if I'm 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 playing on a faith card that that I think this mountain will end up good. There is no surprise where I'm going to go. And that is MC's Boiler Room third nomination. And I think um, when I talked about faith, Spro, even though as much as we try to downplay the sentiment, I think that not just the first episode of the podcast, but also kind of our history with the movie and the fact that it encapsulates everything Second Chance Cinema is supposed to be. I think, you know, that's a stellar pick. Jeremy, I'd be curious to know what you think about that pick, because as I recall, you have somewhat of a um, somewhat of a, a, a beef with Giovanni Ribisi just as a human. <laughs> I certainly do. Well, I don't know about as a human, but certainly as an actor. I, I like Boiler Room, but Giovanni Ribisi always plays every single one of his characters as though he has some type of mental impairment. And I don't understand what that acting choice is, but every single one of his roles is, he plays it in this way that like strikes me as somebody who is mentally challenged, like saving power. Cognitively delayed. Cognitively delayed. Exactly. All of his, all of his movies. And even the, even Avatar, where he was the uh, unobtainium guy. He just always seems a little off. And I don't know if he himself is really off or if it's his choice of the, the way he chooses to interpret all of his characters. But it really disrupts the movie. And this Boiler Room in particular is a great movie, actually. I really like it. But then he gives that story to his dad about falling off his bike or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, what is this? Like, he's, it's it's so weird. <laughs> and it, it breaks the whole tension and the flow of the movie. And he's 10 years old again. <laughs> I guess it's what it is, but it doesn't come off that way to me. It comes off as like, wow, this guy's got problems, and maybe he shouldn't be in the working world. Maybe he should be under someone's care. So, I don't know. 
it disrupts the movie for me. <laughs> it's funny that I, I, mean, I don't know how we landed on this, but Jeremy only has one pick to choose from. Yeah, does he? I think I have, I think I have two. Yeah, he has yeah. two. No, it's, which one? He has, I got he has the village and little giants. No, because you took out the village. No, I said I wanted to. I took out. I took uh, out. Yeah. I he took, took out, out Street PTSD. Fighter. Don't you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Suckers. Speaking of PTSD, he took out Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I was provoked. So I mean, I think Jeremy. So what are the two picks? Uh, the village and little giants. Jeremy, uh, you know, again, a case could be made for each of them, but it's your call. Absolutely, and um, I gotta say, for me, it's I haven't I haven't seen the village more than once, so I gotta go with little giants because I saw the village and did not like it, but now I would watch it again. So uh, I, I would give it another chance, but since I haven't yet, I feel like the only fair choice that I can make because also I had never seen little giants before we did whatever episode it was that we ended up doing where um we nominated the girl from that movie uh one of the, one of the fictional one of the sports figures fictional yeah. sports figures that's what it was and i had not seen little giants at that time and then went and watched it and, and, and said wow that was a great movie i wish i had seen that movie when my kids were younger i wish i'd known about it or had thought about it because what a great movie for family so uh i gotta go with little giants all right so our final list as it stands dread the wizard Boiler Room and Little Giants. I have to say, I don't think that's a bad list. I, I feel pretty I agree. good about it. Yeah, I would like to have seen a Karate Kid movie on there. I mm-hmm. think <laughs> I Karate think Kid, either two so, or three I would have been happy with, even though I think two is a better movie. So look, Karate Kid will have plenty of spots on Mount Rushmore in the future. I, I can't even begin to think of how many categories Karate Kid could could easily overtake, you know, whether it be the characters, the films themselves. I, I don't know. We we have a list of, of categories that's like a mile long, and I feel like Karate Kid will have its due eventually. Um, but for right now, Dread, The Wizard, Boiler Room, Little giants spro is one of the co-founders of second chance cinema how do you feel about that i think it's good i think it's also laughable that this is the only round rudy won and it's not for points (laughs) (laughs) that's right rudy's got two up there well wait i got two you've got two yeah okay look at that look at at that we tied rudy you and i tied after all that animosity we came back together we're like we're like um we're like johnny and and daniel and cobra kai (laughs) are we not I've been planning this from the beginning. <laughs> Rudy, you are the true puppet master of I the Rushmore podcast. Strategize this whole thing. You I did. will say it's a that is a really good list for for what Second Chance Cinema represents and and what we're doing here and everything like that. That's a it encompasses everything. It's got Boiler Room, which is drama. It's got Dread, which is action. The wizard. I don't know what the wizard. The wizard. Is. Well, no, it's a it's a family adventure movie. Fa- adventure, yeah, family, it's friendly. little giants, little giants of sports. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. it's a good. It's like a good it. cross. It's a good cross section of 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 kind of all the episodes we've done so far in Second Chance Cinema. And, and I think we um, out of all the movies we talked about Karate Kid the most, so it got the most airtime in this episode. So if anything, put that feather in your cap. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so. Now is the time where uh, I think we can officially kick off season two of the Rushmore uh, Mount Rushmore podcast by spinning the wheel of categories and deciding what our first official episode is going to be rooted in. We have a list of, like I said, probably, uh, I don't know, like three or four dozen different categories that we've just sort of 
all come together and and added to and modified over time and um i have them all in a big wheel of fortune wheel and just like we do at the end of each episode in season one i think now's the time to spin and see what our very first episode for season two will be are you guys ready let's do it oh yeah all right so get ready because you know if history is any indication as soon as i say the topic our brains are going to start working and we're going to start writing things down here we go Wow. All right. The first episode of season two of the Mount Rushmore podcast, and you can interpret this however you want, I suppose. Perfect movies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, <So>. no. <laughs> Perfect movies. I don't even know where to begin with that. I know. Actually, I don't even remember who put that on there. It might have been me, but I don't at this point, I don't even know. And and I kind of want to like keep the text discussion to a minimum only because it'll be interesting to see what everybody interprets that as. Um, But perfect movies is going to be our first official episode for season two. So not Uh, perfect film. Perfect no. movies. Perfect I'm cinema. Not I'm, I'm not a no. I'm not a <laughs> not a fucking snob. Perfect <laughs> movies. Perfect movies. Everybody's just kind of sitting in their own disbelief of of what we have to do now. Uh, I'm right. Fiercely, I, I, I mean, to find perfection. That's weird. That is very weird because I mean, man, I don't even know. I, I can't. I don't even know if technically there is a perfect movie, but somehow we're gonna have to make that argument. So <laughs> perfect movies. We hope. Uh, listener and possibly listener's friend by now, we hope that you'll join us for episode one of season two of the Mount Rushmore podcast. But almost more importantly, we hope that you enjoyed this bonus exhibition episode crossover between the Mount Rushmore podcast and um, our other digital audio home, Second Chance Cinema. Um, If you would like to get in touch with us, uh, recommend topics, movies, comments, criticisms, reach out, however you can on social media. We'll post the links and we'll make sure that you're able to get at us. But thank you so much for joining us. And we really do look forward to you listening and um, hopefully yelling at, at, at your speakers the way we yell at our microphones the very next time. For the Mount Rushmore podcast, this has been MC, Jeremy, Spro, and Rudy. Thank you so much for listening. Okay.